0: Welcome to Lost Movie Madness with Akeem and Friends. And today I will be talking to you about The Brother from Another Planet. Now, if you like what you see or you want to talk about any movies, please like, share, and subscribe on here on YouTube or on whatever podcast you're listening to this episode on. And please leave a five-star review and or a thumbs up, um, whatever one is based on what podcast you're listening to this on. Now, today I will be discussing the movie the brother from another planet. And as I'm sitting here watching the animation that I made, uh, I'm really proud of that. And that's a new thing that I do on the on the channel. And if you like them, please watch them and, and share them with others, please. That's uh, one of the goals for this is to grow the the product and to grow the content. So this week I will be doing seven movies in seven days. So today I am starting uh May 17th, I am starting with The Brother From Another Planet. And the reason why I picked this movie, it is the first movie that I remember ever seeing. Uh, I went to the movie theater with my mother, um, Teresa. Hi, Mom. And apparently my sister, I don't remember her being there, but my sister was omnipresent in my life at that point. Uh, she's three years older than me, and she is awesome. She is, for whoever listens to the podcast, she is on the episode Dr. Detroit Redux because she saw a lot of the movies that I loved as a kid, and uh, Dr. Detroit was one of those, and if you want to go back and listen to the back catalog, log, um, it'd be really great. Also, I plan on uploading that to the YouTube page, and before I move on, I'll say hello, hello to my sister. Hi, Marma. Hi. And my two brothers, Abdul and Sunjata. Hi, how are you guys doing? Um, Hopefully you guys are enjoying the content I'm putting out there. But back to this movie. This movie, uh, I don't know why it stuck in my mind and my heart so much, but it did. It really, really did. So I wanted to talk about it and go over it with what it's about. Now, this movie is not really more of the common stuff that I've been talking about. It's not a comedy. It's a drama about a spaceman, a man who comes down, and he is a fish out of water. Basic story. Uh, It starts with Joe Milton, and Joe Milton has been a a character actor for a long time. He's done a lot of things. Uh, I think he was in the Inkwell. I want to say he was in the Inkwell, although that might be a little bit racist of me. might, it might be somebody else in the Inkwell. And if nobody's seen the Inkwell, the Inkwell has Lorenz Tate and I believe uh, Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett, in it. Yeah, Jada Pinkett's the love interest in the Inkwell. And the Inkwell is a great uh, coming-of-age love story set on the Riverside. I'm not sure what an Inkwell is or what its references. I should look that up, but maybe I'll do an episode on the movie, The Inkwell, and we could talk about it <laughs> rather than talking about it on this movie, uh, The Brother from Another Planet. So this movie starts, and you see a guy in a cockpit. Well, let's let's, let's start with this. It is low budget. And when I say low budget, I mean low budget. Uh, they didn't spend a lot of money on this thing. So you see a tight shot of a guy, and it looks like he's in the cockpit, and uh, he's got a helmet on and he's sort of crash landing. And you're like, what's that about? And then you see Joe um, Joe Morton. I hope it's not Joe Millen. It might be Joe Morton. Uh, Joe Morton, he is walking down the street. It is Joe Morton. And he's walking down the street and he's got this sort of velour shirt on that's supposed to be a replica of a uniform. And he... Uh, uh, not a uniform, but a spacesuit. It's shiny, um, but you can tell that it's, you know, not very expensive. And then you see his leg is cut off. And then you see him put his hands down there and heal it. Now, he hasn't made a sound, and Joe Morton does not make a sound in this movie. He does not talk. He does not uh, engage, really. He will make hand motions, but that's about it. He will not actually talk to anybody. And so... He stumbles into this bar that's the gentleman in the bar um, in Harlem and he's there and he can't talk and the usuals are there and they're talking to him and he's not responding and they think, well, maybe he needs some help. And there's a bit of community here because they feel like he's one of them. So they try to help him, and they send him to this lady And it's a white lady who, um, has a mixed race child. Um, I'm very familiar with that. My daughter is mixed race. So, and she's from Alabama and she, her man has left her. So she talks about that for about 10 minutes and how she loves her baby and how she takes care of her boyfriend, her absconded boyfriend's uh, mother as well. And they have a little family, and it's just, it's a really, the lady talks an awful lot. Caroline Aaron, who plays Randy Sue Carter, and she's been in a billion different things. I'm just looking her up. She's been in Primary Colors and Crimes of the (laughs) Swimming with Sleepers in Seattle, Edward Scissorhands, Big Night 21 Jump Street, the new 21 Jump Street and 21 22 Jump Street. She's been in all of those films. So she talks and she talks and she talks. And I've never found people who were silent, particularly soothing, but these people don't seem to mind. Um, She talks to him and she tells him about her life and how she's from the South and how she has a man and he's run off with some other girl and how she can't take her son back to the South because he's mixed race. And race pays a big part in this film. Uh, The 80s we think race is a problem now and you don't think of the 80s as a problem at the time but there was still separation there still is separation between blacks and whites in this country but back then it was a bit starker and even though jim crow had ended we were still self-segregating which was a term that i learned from key and peel they did a skit about two gay boxers and i won't go into the skit because there's some pro is very problematic but the the one part, the one guy is talking about self-segregating and the American people are well known for doing that without having any laws, just doing it um, naturally and because they feel more of an affinity to people of their own color and people who look like them, which is a sad state of affairs. And we still deal with that today, but in the 80s was well, it was well in And so... Like later on in the film, two gentlemen stumble into the bar because he frequents the bar. Uh, They stumble into the bar, and they're just in town for a meeting. And they get lost, and they end up in Harlem, and they're scared to death. Two white gentlemen. They're scared to death of being in Harlem, which having grown up in Harlem, especially at this time, I, I... I do not find Harlem particularly scary. But then again, I'm an African-American man. So, and that's my home. So I don't know why I would find it scary, but I have to put myself in someone else's shoes. And they're very uncomfortable. They come in the bar and they, they start drinking and <laughs> they start talking to him. And they talk to him as they get drunk. And nobody seems to notice uh, that he is not responding really. He's making face movements and he's doing all sorts of things. But he's not responding verbally. Which again, if you're, if I'm talking to you, and you're not responding verbally, and you're making head notions, I got to find out what's going on. So they end up leaving, and he goes on these several adventures, and he gets stabbed. He's able to heal things, so he gets a job as a handyman. He works off and on. And he stays with the the white lady, and he stays with her off and on. But he's he's a vagabond. He moves about, and he ends up fixing video game systems and some of the effects in this thing are great because you can tell they're working with a shoestring but it's it, it's pleasing it's interesting to watch um, what effects look like and it's girls playing like the space invaders type of game and it is as dot matrixy as it gets it is Atari the first Atari level you know video game. Like it is not interesting at all, <laughs> but the girl's like this is amazing. He does something because it's malfunction. She's like this is amazing. It's the greatest thing ever, and essentially it's just the 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 space invader the the spaceship just moving about, and she's really into it. And he has this weird look like he's getting off on it, which <laughs> is concerning me because the girl can't be more than fifteen, and he. Um, Joe Moran must have been in his mid 20s at the time. And it just, it's a little weird, but uh, everybody, the Latin, the Latin gentlemen uh, are very stereotypical about blacks and they're very typical. And I believe the man who owns the uh, the arcade is, uh, is a white gentleman. I'm not sure if he's Jewish or not, but he's portraying, he's acting like a circle, typical Jewish person might act in that situation, which again is a bit offensive, but they're playing with big, broad stereotypes. So the Latin gentleman's acting like a stereotypical Latin gentleman, the black men in the in in the bar acting like stereotypical black men, this man's acting like a stereotypical Jewish person. And they they use all sorts of the racist lang- the language that was popular and was okay back in those days which is again problematic as we look back at it today but at the time it wouldn't have been and so he said the the latin guy is lazy they said the black guy disappears he comes in and goes everybody's sort of okay with it in the bar the one um guy the one black guy is a conspiracy therapist and one guy is a drunk who doesn't work and they're all just trying to make it through in this world, and they all have these slants that are very, very, very uh, put forward. You can tell where they believe and what they what they think about this and that. So, it gives you a window into a time period in our country where race relations had settled a bit, but we're still very contentious. There's another subplot where he goes into the apartment building where um, the young guys live, and the the girls, for lack of a better word, mother-in-law had said, "Oh, I hope the young boys are okay." And the white lady says, "Those those aren't boys; they're junkies." And they had they try to rob Joe Morton, and they stab him in his hand because he wouldn't just give up his money and he sees the two boys and he does this weird thing that i do remember as a child which is one of the reasons why this movie stands out he takes out his eye and watches um the one kid go pick up drugs from a guy and then he watches the guy leave and they don't follow up on it until later on um he follows that drug dealer to and you don't see this but he follows the drug dealer to uh to where he gets the drugs from, which is an office building. And at the same time, he had found the one kid. There were two kids. He had found the one kid OD'd, and he tried the heroin, which is a weird thing to do. Like I know he's not from this planet, but they must have some sort of idea that putting things in your body just recklessly um, is a disease causing agent they must have some sort of idea although it turns out that he was a slave on his planet so i don't know if he has the education but he injects some heroin in himself and he has what could best be called a, a, a trippy um adventure which um, heroin doesn't do to you um but He starts walking the streets. He has a place to stay, which again is weird. He starts walking the streets and he meets up with this uh, again, stereotypical Rasta and the Rasta starts spouting some sort of manifesto and he takes him to go smoke weed by a trash can and he has this like weird, really weird trip out by the trash can and the Rasta talks about for like 10 minutes about the world and how things work. And it reminded me of um, this episode of uh, uh, Major Laser. And by the way, if anybody's seen Major Laser, the cartoon, it's amazing. But uh, it really, really is. A um, Major Laser goes on a weed and the girl that uh, hangs out. With him wants to go and he says no and it's all about how she goes and takes try and she's like I'm gonna smoke weed so I can prove the major laser I'm tough enough and she sings this great song I mean it's really great music uh, and the animation's okay too so you know I'm, I'm I'm digging it major laser adult swim great great show uh, I think I think they only made like thirteen episodes of it too it's like ten minutes long. You know, it's like more oral. Like, they made like 17 of them. That's about it. I don't know how many episodes they made more oral, I should say. But they didn't make many, and they're short. So it's the same thing. Major Laser goes on a wee vacation, and he goes on a weedcation. You know, uh, I just, I think it's one of those things where he just trips out, and he wakes up, and he sees this picture of this beautiful woman. And it turns out that this beautiful woman, she's in the 80s. They don't do it so much anymore because we have other sort of marketing tricks. But one of the marketing tricks, especially in New York City, for those of you who are not from New York City, at least until the mid-90s, was you would say, okay, somebody's coming and then you get a bunch of posters of their face and whatever they're gonna be on. And you would staple it to the wooden um, walls that are all over New York City from building sites. And you'd staple it and you staple a whole wall Plastered with people's faces. Now they've gotten creative, where they'll pixelate it and put parts of faces, so you the whole thing makes a face. But back then, when you didn't have so much commut- computer modeling, and that would take a whole lot of effort to figure out, or a very good artistic eye, at least you had just picture, 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 picture. I remember seeing one wall of like prints coming to uh, the Apollo or something of the sort um, when I was a kid, and he sees that. And he decides he's going to go um, find her and get to know her or whatever. So he goes and he buys a record and he throws away the record. It's great. The back in the days when records were a real popular thing, um, like real records. And I know records will get more popular, apparently. A friend of mine, um, Jake, shout out. Um, Told me that record, he wants to own a record company, which I did not believe was a thing still. Um, I haven't bought a record. I'm not buying any records. I'm not a DJ. Although my daughter, we do call her DJ Elizz on the one and two. I don't have those skills. Although I have a friend. Shout out, DJ Don Pablo. I don't know why I have so many shout outs this episode. I'm down there in Tampa doing this, doing big things. But here we are. Uh, You have, he's, he buys a record and he throws the record away. He just wants the sleeve and he gets dressed up and he ends up figuring out where she's at and he goes down there and he sort of rescues her from the owner. Um, and she, she's so thankful that she sleeps with him. So he's got a little bit of love happening in his life. And she's like, I don't do this all the time as she takes off her wig, which is great. Um, because you know, there's a real person there and she had been famous. And she was not as famous anymore, but she still had the pipes. And it was great for her to find out that at least somebody still loved her. I mean, it was a really heartwarming moment. Again, though, he does not talk. So I don't know. I mean, Joe Morton's a handsome guy. Don't get me wrong. I don't know how many women you meet without having any gift of gab. So while that's all going on, these two guys start looking for him. And they start hitting the spot. The the arcade where you worked at, they hit that. They hit the bar and they show up at the the lady with the kids um, at, at that house and they scare her and they tell her she's from they're from the government, but of course they don't have any papers. And she's trying, she's like, Yeah, where are your papers? Da, da, da. And when he shows back up, she tells him he can't stay there. Which is understandable. It just it's hard to you can't you have a child, you have an older lady that you're taking care of. And in the end, you don't want to rescue, risk, uh, risk that, um, especially because you do have responsibilities. And he understands when he leaves. And when he leaves, he goes to where? He goes and picks up his, his eye, because he had an eye patch when he showed back up to the house, which is crazy. She didn't even ask questions about that. She is so self-absorbed that she didn't even ask questions about why he has an eye patch on now. And he goes and picks up his eye, and I guess he downloads the information, because that's the best I can do he he doesn't have a visual on it at all times although they don't explain it he might have a visual working that way but that seems like a very complex thing happening Um, especially how would you download that information or maybe he downloads it but anyway he ends up at the office of the gentleman who's supplying all the drugs to the area and he comes in and the secretary tries to shoo him away, but he, he doesn't take no for an answer. I and mean, he comes back up at night when the guy's sitting in his office making deals. And he says, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. He does not say anything. And he never says anything. And he essentially downloads the images of the dead boy who OD'd. And what's happening on the streets because of this guy's drugs now. Of course, he's a Mr. Big, white guy uh, in an office, you know, divorced from whatever is happening out there. And so he shows him all of that, and then he shows, and the guy offers him drugs, offers him money, offers him a piece of the action, he turns it down. And you don't see him kill the guy, but essentially you see him force him to OD on heroin, and he walks out, which... uh, I don't know I don't know uh, it's a very slanted view of how drugs come into our community but there is somebody out there um, who has access to them and who allows them to go through I don't know if there's a I don't think there's a Mr. Big up in any office or anything like that that's not really how business is done but there are major drug dealers but you're not getting to them space man or not you're not getting to them and he doesn't have any special powers other than he can heal stuff So at that point, when he comes down, he is caught by the two men who have been chasing him, and he has a port in his side, and they put this controller device uh, on the port, and that forced him to do whatever they want him to do, and it's analog. That's the best part. It is analog. So they have to turn a dial, which If you have spaceships that can travel interstellarly, I would think that you wouldn't be using analog tools, although analog tools don't break as quickly as digital tools do. And the components are easier to fix. So in 15 years, we may be going back to analog things um, with digital media. But right now we're all touch screens and all that sort of thing. But analog is much, much more cost effective and much easier to repair. Although, uh, in our society, we don't really look to repair things very much. We look to make them disposable, and that's the difference. And maybe that society, since, you know, they still have slaves, uh, are not looking for disposable things. Um, That's the history of humanity. If we're not looking for something, we won't find it. Uh, Part of the Industrial Revolution over the last 200 years is that we were looking to increase capacity, especially with population size. And that's first growth. If you're quite happy with the population size and you're quite happy with the way things are, there's no reason to seek growth. Uh, And that's a tangent. And I appreciate I know that you appreciate the tangents that I go on out there. But anyway, we get to this point and they've chased him down and they've got him and he breaks off. He somehow breaks off. The, the piece that they put in his side and he starts running and he runs into a group of, of, oh, by the way, I should say the two white men who are looking for them can talk and they engage and they talk to people and they go to the office where the, 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 the government office and everything they, they engage and they say that he's a dangerous criminal, but that's not the case. They are looking to re-enslave him and they chase him down. And when they chase them down, they run into another group of people who have escaped the society. And when they catch up with them, they start running away because they know they can't defeat them. And they get cornered, and the intimation that, that they're going to be killed, and they blow themselves up. And at that point, everybody celebrates, and the movie's over. That's it. That's how it ends. The guys uh, explode, and these are people who had already been on this planet. And they had they had already integrated into the world. None of them can speak, but they had already integrated into Harlem society. And what it really is is an allegory for the Underground Railroad. Um, they've gotten to Canada or the north, and some of these uh bounty hunters had come after them, and they had gotten gotten chased off. Sadly enough. Uh, During the Underground Railroad days, a lot of people did get dragged back to the South. That's why you had to make it up to Canada. Much more difficult to be extradited, especially after the reform to the 1850s. Much, much more difficult um, to get an escaped slave slave back um, from Canada than from New York or Massachusetts or wherever. The Underground Railroad had let people out. Um, That's a sad part of our history but it is part of our history as a nation and it's important to remember that um, when you deal with race relations in this country it is a very difficult subject it's difficult for all of us difficult for blacks difficult for whites because none of us live in those times but we can try to make this world better especially because i have a mixed-race daughter and she is half white and half black and that's important that she loves and respects both parts Uh, i'm a little a little bit, little bit more um, uh, diverse because my family comes straight from Africa. So there's a little bit of more complication there, but I want her to love all parts of herself and we should all love each other. That's a great thing about America is that we do make mistakes, but we can go and learn from them. So that's the movie. That's it, The Brother From Another Planet. The hallmarks for me as a child And the reason why I loved it and I think I remember it is he had three toes. That's one of the things that made him sit out. He had three toes, sort of like a lizard or um, the claw of Big Bird, (laughs) but brown and human skin um, that that really stuck him out of everything. And he took out his eye. Those two things stuck in my mind so much that I remember that movie since 1983. So in 1984, excuse me, in 1984, I was five years old. I am 43, so 38 years. I hadn't seen that movie, but I watched it again last week, and I really, really enjoyed it. Now, uh, that's it. We're, that's it. We've done talking about The Brother from the Planet. Now, I will give you um, – we'll talk about a couple things. We'll talk about the acting. I think Joel Morton does a great job. I think he is quiet and silent, and there's a strength there that you can read – In the eyes and the facial expression he emotes Uh, he overacts a bit sometimes but he emotes and i think that it comes across to the to the uh the viewer when they're watching it now we'll talk about the story the story again is a simple story it's about escaping escaping um to freedom and trying to keep that freedom because freedom ain't free so i think it's a very simple story i think it works the pacing of the movie, it hits the dots. I think it's a bit all over the place, and I think that you don't need so many subplots. Also, that the subplots are so disjointed that they really don't fit in the same movie. Although they they work, but it's almost episodic. So how do they fit together? And they really don't. They're like three different movies in together. I'm not sure that the drug subplot wasn't absolutely necessary, but it was included, and I didn't make that decision. So whoever directed or wrote it thought, "Hey, we need to talk about the drug problem in our youth," which if it was bad in the eighties. It's just as bad now. So I, I, I hate to say that it was unnecessary, but just I, I don't know if it was. Uh, the, the cinematography, it shot okay. It ain't great. It ain't, and like it's. It's shot on a low budget, and they didn't really pay that much attention to the visuals that much. I mean, the visuals of her singing in the nightclub, the visuals of the 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 wall, they're vivid. Everything else is really sort of just grainy and poorly shot. I would give it a no on the cinematography. For entertainment value, I think it was very entertaining, because you're not really sure where the movie's going to go. You have no idea. You don't really Half the time I didn't understand what was going on in the movie, but you know that is what it is. It's 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 an entertaining movie, not the best movie, not the worst movie. You can sit down and watch it. It might stay with you like it did stay with me. I don't know, but it stayed with me. So that's the best that I can do. Now, it was rated a six point eight on IMDb because a friend of mine said they like to know what the ratings are. I don't know. I watch movies for myself, so I don't. I uh, care how people rate it, but it's rated 6.8 on IMDb, and it's got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is pretty good, and Metacritic gives it a 70%. So it's a, it's a worthwhile movie. It's got a message. It's There's nothing crazy in it. There's nothing that you really couldn't sit down with your children with and watch the movie, and that's it. Uh, if you like what you heard or like what you saw, please like, share, and subscribe. And leave a five star review on whatever podcast you're listening to this and a thumbs up on YouTube. And if you want to get in contact with me, please hit me up at lostmoviemadness at gmail.com. Again, that's lostmoviemadness at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at lostmoviemadness, hashtag watch if you want. And as I say, with all my movies, uh, I enjoy watching film. If you want to talk about a film, please contact me. I would love to talk to you about any movie. And if you watch these movies after I talk about them, Please don't blame me, Yeah, you know, don't blame me. Watch if you won't, don't blame me if you do. Thank you so much and you have a great day.